tonight. We are starting a new book, and uh, it's not Leviticus, but it's, um, it may take longer. I'm, honestly, I think this is gonna be, we're going to be in this until Jesus comes back, uh, but it's going to be really good. Um, I'm honestly really excited about it, and as I was studying, um, I, you, if some of my friends, Travis and I don't know, like, I like, picked another book. I was planning it out, and then I was just like, I, I bought like a hundred commentaries, and I was just praying through it, and it just like, the Holy Spirit was like, I just like, it didn't feel right. And then as I was praying, the Lord led me to this. So uh, I, yeah, I really do believe like the Lord wants us to be in this book for this next season. Um, I tried to do something else. So the book is the book of John, okay? We're gonna be spending time with Jesus. And a couple quick like uh, intro points on John. Um, and just trip out on the fact that, so you, you can even flip to John 1 right now. This, the person who wrote the words on this page in front of you, just trip out on this. The man who wrote these words, like, spent time with the man Jesus. Like, it's, it's almost too hard to fathom, but like, the man who wrote these words, like, touched and talked and ate with Jesus. Like, this man spent significant time with Jesus. And uh, what better way to abide in Jesus than to spend time with someone who, who spent years and years with Jesus. Like the guy who wrote this in some weird way, I don't know, I can't imagine it being normal. He like literally like cuddled on the chest of Jesus. As a man, full grown man. And he was like, Jesus, can I just like nestle on your chest? And I'm sure, I'm sure there was another disciple there like, what is he doing right now? That's what I would be like, really? I, but like, he knew Jesus. He knew what Jesus' like beard smelt like, okay? Just, just think about that. So this man knew Jesus and we're gonna spend time with him. And the other thing I just wanna point out as we get into this book is this. Uh, this is like the most like theological of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like it's kind of, it's like the most deep in a sense, this is overgeneralizing, but just to like get your mind around it, you could say this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, were they wanted to write the facts and details of Jesus' life. And John wanted to write about the meaning of Jesus' life and death. Okay? And that's overgeneralizing. It's not like you can't learn the meaning from the other ones. But John's, uh, he skips like most of the stuff the other guys writes because he just wants to focus on like, what does it mean? And who is Jesus? And... Um, Two-thirds of this book is, is on the last week of Jesus' life, okay? Two-thirds. Like, by, I think, chapter 12, it's just like the, Jesus is already basically about to die because he wants us to focus on specifically the death and resurrection of Jesus. So he's, he's like, I want you to understand what Jesus means. Okay, now, as we read John, there are gonna be moments um, where you're gonna wanna say to John, like, John, what are you saying? Like, what do you mean right now? Because he's uh, like, he's honestly just, he's out there. Like he's cosmic. He says weird things that nobody's ever said. And you're thinking, how did you come up with this? What do you mean? Why, don't, why aren't you just clear? It's just how John is. Um, but at the same time, he's like, uses very simple things like, hey, Jesus is like a door. Hey, Jesus is like a lamb. Hey, Jesus is like a shepherd. Hey, and he just uses these very like realistic things. I just want to read you this quick quote on a commentator, what he said about the book of John. He says, the book of John is like a pool in which a child can wade and an elephant can swim. 
Okay, a child can like wait around in it, like, oh yeah, this is great. But like at the same time, there's like an, there's room for an elephant to swim. It is both simple and profound. It is for the beginner in the faith and for the mature Christian. Its appeal is immediate and never failing. So wherever you're at, if you're like just checking Jesus out, if you're just as old as Vince Nixon, doesn't matter, this book is for you. Sorry, brother. Uh, this book is for you. doesn't matter where you're at with your walk with Jesus. We're going to spend time with him. It's going to be so deep and profound. And there's honestly going to be times where I'm going to say, we don't really know what that means. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to be like, oh, but I, I get what Jesus is like. So tonight, we're going to cover the first 18 verses of John. Uh, it's called the prologue in a sense. Um, I honestly, you guys wanted to just do John 1-1 and just but, but here's what I realized as I was studying this. A prologue, if any of you guys are into literature, a prologue uh, is or, or like the beginning of a good work of whatever, like a, a good novel. All the themes and all the foreshadowing come really early in a good piece of literature. Like if you're like into literature or a movie and you're like studying it, like you can almost get the whole story. They're just, they like work it in really subtly and it's like all there. That's what John's doing in the first 18 verses. The book of John, if you were to take the book of John and put it in 18 verses, that's what it is. So even though I want to go really slow, um, this, we're going to cover every single theme as we go through John. So this is kind of like the just crazy weird metaphors that John wrote, 18 verses, but it's like summing up the book of John. So we're going to read the first 18 verses I'll pray, and then we will spend some time with Jesus. Let's do it. John 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You're like, what are you saying? I'm already like, okay. In him was life, And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Side note, that's not this John, it's John the Baptist. Whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. All right, it's the word of God. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so worthy, God, and you are so glorious. And together we just, 
We want to sit at your feet right now. We want to, like these disciples, we want to see your glory. We want to be able to leave tonight saying, I saw more glory in Jesus tonight. Like I'm just more in awe and I'm more in awe that he would love me, that though I was in darkness, he shined his light on me and he called me his son or his daughter. Lord, we just want to spend time with you now. So Holy Spirit, come. Would you help us, Lord, if we're tired, if we're distracted, if we don't even know what we think about you yet, just help us together to see the glory of Jesus. You are worthy. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Have you ever been out to eat and seen a couple at a table and they're not talking to each other? You ever seen that? Like, not just like for a second, but like for like minutes. Like maybe they're on their phones. Maybe they're just kind of sitting there. Maybe one of the couples like especially not into it. Um, Maybe you've been on that date. I just thought maybe that's happened to you. You're like, honestly, that's happened. That was the worst. I just wanted that to end. Usually it's, it's not a good sign, right? If people are hanging out and they're just not talking at all, um, this is a little whatever sentimental. I remember when I was first beginning to pursue my now wife, one of my favorite things was like, we could just talk. Like I'll be I, I, I used to flirt with all kinds of girls. This was in high school. And like, but, and they were like, you know, they're pretty and whatever, but like, you know, the struggle of like the talking, the conversation. And then Ariana was just like, oh, this is just easy to talk to. Um, talking like good conversation is one of the most like profound ways that we as humans like build relationships and build trust. It's just talking to one another is very profound and it's important. And it's the same thing with God interacting to us, okay? God loves you and he loves humanity. And so one of the primary ways he like relates to us and and loves us is by talking to us. Okay, think about that. God loves you. And so he's like, I want to talk to you. I I want to engage with my people. And that's what like this book is right here. This is like God talking to humans. Like, and there's nothing wrong with like, you know, we're with the Lord and we're like, man, I feel like the Lord said that. But like, just know this, this book, you can know for sure God's speaking. You, like, you can know that, you know, God said something. Like, this is an amazing gift. God says, I want you to have my word to know that I'm speaking to you. And for thousands of years, even before Jesus came on the scene, God would like speak to a person, like a prophet, Moses, whoever, and then they would go speak to the people and be like, hey, God said something. Like, I'd want to know if God showed up and said something. And so when John opens up his whole book with the sentence, and I just lost my place, let me get it. This is profound. When he opens up with these words, in the beginning was the word, he like, it's, it's very profound that of all the metaphors he could have chosen, the first sentence, the first thing he says is Jesus is the word. He's referring to Jesus here. Jesus is the word. Side note, that's unprecedented. Like no one's ever called Jesus the word before. No one ever said the Messiah is gonna be like the word. That's, this is like a new idea. Nobody had said, no one had compared the, the second member of the Trinity, Jesus, to the word. And then no one else does it except for him again in Revelation. Uh, when he's talking about Jesus coming back, I, I was like, should I quote this verse? Because it's so gnarly. But it's in Revelation nineteen thirteen. it says this, when Jesus comes back, Okay, just, that's going to happen. It says, Jesus, he is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. So John wants us to have this picture for whatever, well, there's reasons. He's like, do you know what Jesus is like? He's like the word of God. He's like, when God speaks, that's what Jesus is like. And, and John's point is this. 
everything that the Bible does, everything that the word of God does, like revealing who God is and instructing God's people and telling them what to do, everything that the word of God does is fulfilled in Jesus, okay? Everything that the Bible's for is like, Jesus is like the ultimate version of that. He's like the word of God. He's like, for thousands of years, God's like been writing letters to his people and that's awesome. And then he says, you know what? I'm gonna go this time. I'm not gonna write a letter like I'm gonna go and deliver the message. That is Jesus. And so what we're gonna do to like work through these 18 verses is uh, we're gonna look at six things that John reveals about the word, okay? We're just gonna like look at Jesus tonight. Six different things he says about the word. Uh, You guys ready? Six things. I'm gonna try and move quick. Here we go. Number one, first quality about the word that is like, Word of God, but it's Jesus, is this. The word is eternal, okay? This is, it's kind of abstract at first, but this is very important. The word is eternal. Look at the first few verses. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and he was God. He was in the beginning with God, okay? This morning, I was having some quiet times, and I'm currently in First Samuel, and it's like, I love First Samuel. I've liked it since a little kid. It's like, just a cool story. I, Samuel's just one of the coolest characters uh, he just does some crazy things. And I'm, so I'm all excited to like spend time with Samuel and like hear about Samuel this morning. So I open up and I'm in First Samuel 25. And literally the very, I'm just, I was excited. I don't always get excited, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna read about Samuel. And the very first words I read in my devotion this morning are, now Samuel died. That's what I read this morning. I was like, I don't even, I don't even wanna keep reading. Like I just wanted to be with Samuel. And I was like, now Samuel died. And um, I knew he died, but it was just like, just a sudden, like, now Samuel died. And my heart was like, oh. And then, like, this was profound, though. This hit me. Every person I admire and look up to and love either has died or will die. Every person I've ever looked up to or I love have died or will die. Um, I'm going to die. Unless Jesus comes back, you're going to die. Our favorite, like, organizations our favorite sport teams, our country, our even like our favorite churches and pastors and teachers, like it's all going to pass away. But do you know what is not going to pass away is Jesus. Jesus is eternal. Jesus died and then he rose again and now he's seated on a throne in heaven and his life will never again be threatened. Jesus is the only thing that will never pass away again. He will not die. He's not gonna let you down. He's the only person who's not just gonna like die. And so John is saying, listen, Jesus is eternal. Yeah, he became a man and like he did this stuff, but like you need to to know there's something special about the man, Jesus. He's God and he's eternal. And so practically, we need to let our heart and our hope rest on this truth. There's There's only one who is eternal and it is God, and it is Jesus. There's only one who is not gonna be shaken. There's only one who's gonna remain constant, though your life and your relationships and your job and your schooling and your health are all going to pass away. Like, Jesus is eternal. Like, John is saying, you need to know this is the first thing I want you to know. It's cool. The other gospels are like, hey, I wanna tell you about his Jesus' genealogy. I wanna tell you about where he's from. I wanna show you how he's fulfilling. And John's like, do you know what I wanna tell you about? I want to start at the beginning. He's God and he's not going anywhere. Second thing John wants us to notice about the word is this. The word is powerful. 
Uh, notice the first three words, what he says. He says, in the beginning. Um, any Bible scholars in here know what that sounds like? Anybody? Genesis, nice, right? He's like quoting Genesis. He, John's like, how do I want to start off my book? I'm going to quote the first three words that the whole Bible starts with in the beginning. Okay, I have another quiz. When God was creating the universe, do you know how he did it? He spoke, right? That's good. You guys are, you guys are with me. God spoke. He said, let there be light, and like it happened. He said, let there be land, and it happened. And here's the point. When God speaks, things happen. And God loves to show his power through his words. God loves to like flex by speaking. Like watch what I can do. And he says something and something happens. There is power in the word of God. Now, this is cool. Do you know, want, want to know one reason why I like trust this book? Because I've seen its power. You want to know one reason why like, I'm like, do you know what this book's, this, I think this is true? It's because I've watched, I've literally watched people be completely changed in front of me by this book, by the words of God. It's a different person. I was changed through the words in this book. Like you could talk to my wife. I have some habits that aren't changing, but the word of God has enough power to change me. This has way more power than anything else. If you guys look at history, it's changed kings and kingdoms and nations. Like this book, the words of God has changed things. And now, now here's what John's talking about because that's an old truth. That's a Genesis truth. There's power in the word. John is saying, hey, do you know what? want to know why there's power in the word? Because underneath the power of the words of God is Jesus. Underneath this speaking, and it's, it's kind of like, well, what does that mean? He's saying Jesus is there. Jesus is the word. The universe was made through the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus in some way. Like, God is like, I speak, but do you know what Jesus is like? Jesus is the word. And so in Genesis, God spoke and made everything, but really, it was Jesus making everything. And that's like, what does that mean? I'm not sure, but John is saying, just like the word of God is powerful, that's Jesus is that way. And so in verse three, he connects this idea of Genesis and he says, look, all things were made through him. And there was nothing that was made that was apart from him. And so when God speaks in some way, that's Jesus is the one who goes and does stuff. And so here's, here's the point. Don't underestimate the power of God's word because when you underestimate this book, you're underestimating Jesus in some sense. When, when we are like, yeah, this book, I just, I don't know. You're like, you're like speaking about Jesus in some sense. And let's be real, like, especially us, I, I often wish I could see more of God's power. I do. I wish I could like experience God's power. When you read things like the book of Acts, you're like, why, I, why doesn't that happen anymore? Why doesn't like, it just shake when people are, are worshiping? I wish I could see some of these miracles. I've seen people die who people were just praying and fasting for years about. Like, I wish the Holy Spirit would, would do just like what he does. And so we, we like, often wish, if you, I think, like I could see more power. Um, and then if you're like me, 
most mornings, I'm not excited to read about Samuel. I'm like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just not that impressed right now. That's many days. And I'm like, this book is, can be boring. This book can be confusing. And we just need to remember that God has spoken about his word. There's power in this book. There is actual power in this book. Paul was like, listen, I'm not ashamed of this book. It's the power of God for salvation. Like there is actual power in this book. And here's, this is cool. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's favorite tool is? It's this book. Did you know that? Do you know the Holy Spirit says, this is like, this is, this, this is my sword. This is the sword of the Spirit. If you have a desire to see the Holy Spirit move, listen, like you better pay attention to this book because this is his favorite tool. When he goes to do things, this is his favorite tool. And I have to say this, this is, this is sad, but true. Do you know what changes people more than a miracle? It's trust in the word of God. I have seen people experience God's presence. I have seen people healed. And then they're like, yeah, but I just don't, I'm not impressed with the word of God. And they ultimately walk away apart from God. They've seen power and they're like, yeah, but this book, I don't know. And, and I've seen this book, apart from miracles, apart from this emotional experience, I've seen this book change people. There is power in God's words. And God says, you know where faith comes from? It doesn't come from seeing a miracle. Do you know where faith comes from? It comes from the word of God. You want to grow in your faith? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. God just orchestrated the universe. Do you want to grow in faith? Hear this book. That's what God said. There is power. Don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate Jesus. Uh, some of you guys are like, man, I, I don't know. I just, I, maybe I'm too far gone. Maybe I, I don't feel close to the Lord. I just want to say this. There's hope for you because there's power in this book because it, it actually changes people's lives. It, it convicts the Spirit, uses truths in these books to change people. So if, if you're like in a rough spot, listen, like, engage with this. Engage with it. Like there's power here. If you're doubting, if you're feeling far from God, like don't go seeking some other power. This is what the Holy Spirit uses. That's number two. The word is powerful. Number three is this. The word isn't just powerful and it's not just eternal. The word points us to grace. It's so good. Verse 14, he says, the word came and he says it was full of grace and truth. Um, do you know what's crazy, you guys? I missed the fact that this book is full of grace and points me to grace. I missed that truth my entire life. I grew up in a Christian home, an awesome Christian home. I went to a Christian school. I knew like more about the Bible at like second grade than a lot. Of, like I knew a lot. I went to a Christian school, church. I went to a Christian college. I like led in the youth group. And you guys, this is true. Reading the Bible for me was a burden. It was a burden. Uh, and obeying the Bible was a burden. And when I didn't obey it, I just felt guilty. And when I finally did like try to obey it and read it, you, listen, I was like, okay, I got to read my Bible today. I would open it up and then read it and be like, well, I'm not doing that. And I would just feel worse and I would hate it. I'm like, I hate reading this thing because I don't even do it. And I just, it was just this weight on me. And I was like, this book is just a heavy, mean book. And I don't really like it. That was Christian. I, I knew all the things and I just didn't like it. And uh, it wasn't sadly until I was 21, I was a senior in college, that I like experienced grace in such a way that I saw like, wait, 
there's grace in here. There's grace for me. There's grace on every page. Um, I, I've told this story before. I just want to tell it really quick. I was, this was like a final, and it was a take-home final, and all you had to do was turn it in on Friday at midnight, and it was like the worst week of my life, and I was overwhelmed, and I was like, I basically just didn't do it, which is, I was like type A. I could, I've never done that in my life. I was just shame upon shame. I'm the worst human. And then I thought, I'm not going to ask for grace. This is just, I'm just going to wear my failure, like, Yes, let me take the failure. And so I didn't do it. And I went into class on Monday. And at the end of class, the professor was like, hey, where's your test? Like 20% of your grade. And I was like, just give me an F. And I like tried to start walking out. And he was like, hey, let's go to my office real quick. And we're sitting down. And he's just talking about, he's like, how are things going? And I was like, it's just a stressful week. Just give me an F. It's fine. And then he looks at me and he says, do you know about grace? And I was like, yes, I know about grace. I'm the it's so dumb. I'm like, I'm the director of Potter's Clay. Of course I know about grace. I, I like lead the universe. Of course I know I'm a Christian. And he was like, I don't think you do. And he says, do you know what? And it was like a midterm. And he said, why don't you take as long as you need and turn it in whenever you want? And it was honestly like a spear to my heart. And I was like, I was offended. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Nobody else got to do that. That's not fair. Just give me the F. And he was like, no, you just turn it in whenever. And it, you guys, it rocked like my identity. Like my, I had nothing to stand on but my failure. And yet I was walking out the door with like grace. And the Lord used that. And he says, hey, do you know what I'm about? I'm about giving grace. Do you know why Jesus came? To give grace. And do you know what every book in here talks about it points you to Jesus and it it gets you ready for the grace of God that came for sinners like me you guys I used to just be like yeah just be a good Christian obey it do what you're supposed to do and then when you suck bummer just try better so you're not like the worst Christian and God was like listen all your righteous deeds everything you've ever done for me it comes up far short you need grace and I Jesus is saying came to give you grace. I already know you're a failure. That's why I came. I came to give grace. And for us tonight, remember when we read this book, even when we're falling short, there's grace for you. There's grace for your sin. There's grace for your doubt. There's grace for your love of Jesus. There's grace in this book. And it's not just like a, like a cheap, God's like, ah, don't worry about it. It's like costly grace. Like, I'm going to come give myself. I'm going to die for you because though you have fallen short, I want to give you grace. And so here's the only hard thing about grace. You have to admit, like, you need it. You have to admit, yeah, I have come up short. And that's hard for my pride, you guys. You're not going to get grace if you're just trying to stand on your own strength and your own merit and your own quiet time and your own service and your own sacrifice. You need to be able to, you you have nothing else to stand on but the grace of God. I am a sinner and all of my righteous deeds together, hump, like piled up, they, they, they come up far short. But I've been given the grace of God. Guys, when we read this book, when we read John, when you read the Bible and you come with guilt from sin, remember, I'm looking for grace. I'm looking for Jesus and he's there. He's, he is actually there. I remember just reading after that, like, wait, there's grace right there. Like, wait, it's right. And I just would, like, I couldn't believe on every page there was the grace of God. There's Jesus. The word is full of grace. That's number three. Number four, John tells us, do you know what, though? I'm full of grace and truth. 
Uh, he uses the word logos there, like the word logos, truth, full of grace and truth. He uses the words light a lot, talking about truth. And listen, we all have grace, right? None of you probably hated the point I just said. No one's like, mm, I don't know, I don't like that. But we have a harder time with truth. We do, especially the, the time and place where we live, we have a hard time with truth. Do you know what? To say to someone, hey, you're wrong, to say something isn't true is almost like the greatest offense in our culture right now. To actually say, oh, I don't think that's true is like, what did you just say? Like, you, like, we have a hard time being able to stand somewhere and saying like, no, this is true. Like what, and then obviously there's specific things in our culture, but just to simply say this is true is one of the greatest offenses. It's out of style. It's offensive. It's like, you can't do that. Um, but listen, you, you, you have to take truth with grace. They go together. Jesus is someone. He's not whoever we want him to be. There is truth about Jesus. He has a real identity. He says real things. He, he confronts wrong. Um, and just, you know, this makes so much sense, but our cult, we have such a hard time with it. But just here's an example, okay? A little thought experiment. So uh, to embarrass my wife, I'm going to talk about my wife for a quick second. My wife has a real identity, okay? Um, she has brown hair. I can't say, my wife has blonde hair. Like, I, that's not my wife. She's 5'8". I can't say, you know, my wife's 5'2". Like, that's just, that's not true. She's a real person. Her name is Ariana. I can't say, you know, do it today. I think Ariana's name is going to be Jennifer. I'm just going to call her Jennifer. Like, that's actually kind of offensive, right? Um, she has a phone number. I can't just dial any woman's number and be like, this is my wife. And I'm going to talk to her like, like, no, she has a specific phone number. She has an address. Uh, she's somebody. I can't say, you know what? My wife is that girl today and go off. Like, that's called adultery. Like, she, my wife is a real person with a real identity. Now, this is going to be the most radical thing you've ever heard. It's the same way with God. He has a real identity. We don't have the right to choose what he's like. We don't have the right to say, do you know what? His hair color, uh, his attributes, I don't like those, but I do like these. Or do you know what? He's not really those. He's these. Like, we don't have the right to pick and choose who he is. He's someone. Like, he is a real person. And do you know what else? He has told us who he is and what he's like in his word. And I don't care if a PhD or a pastor tells you something else. God has revealed who he is. God has spoken truth, and it is in this book. And we don't have the right to say otherwise. And when we start flirting with that, we're like cheating in a sense, the same way it would be with my wife. It's like adultery. God's like, that's not me though. And it doesn't honor him to say, I love you, God, and I'm gonna use the right words, but you're just these things that I don't like. You know, I'm throwing those out. Jesus is saying, I am full of truth and there's truth about me in the word. And so here's a couple of hard questions, okay? Do you let yourself hear untruths about God? Do you listen to whatever it may be? I, like, honestly, you guys, there are sermons and worship songs that are not from this book. They're other people's ideas. Like, are, are you tempting? Are you flirting with picking and choosing certain things about God? Are you like twisting truth about God to fit what you would like to be true about him? Listen, like we honestly have to repent of that. That is not okay. He is full of grace, yes, but he's full of truth. 
He is someone. And grace and truth go together. Verse 14 shows us, full of grace and truth. Okay, now, some of, there's like a small minority of you who are like, yes and amen to that. Some of you are like truth people. You probably need to remember, Jesus is also full of grace, right? Like, that's kind of like me. Like, you idiot, God is this way. Like, well, no, you're, he's full of grace too. Like, you, you, can't, you can't use truth as a weapon against people. You, you use it as like to show the grace of God. Like, that's what you use truth for. It's full of grace. So some of us uh, need to remember Jesus is full of grace. But then there's probably others of us who are like grace people, right? Like, we don't like being told that someone's wrong, or we don't like telling someone that they're wrong. And when we hear something wrong about God, we're like, ah, well, it's just what grace, you know? Like, you need to remember grace and truth go together. And I love this. You've gotten things wrong about God. You've gotten truth wrong about him. And there's grace for you. There is grace to come back. He's like, you're not going to thank, thank God that a relationship with him isn't a theology test. It's not. You're not going to stand in heaven and pass. There's grace, but there's also truth. So though you are wrong and God's like, I love you and forgive you. Now, like, let's get your head back in order and know there's truth about me. They go together. There's truth and grace, and they are both together. And the, the truth of God points us to the grace of God. The grace of God points us to the truth of God. He is a real person and he loves you and he has a real identity and you really are a sinner and you really do have to repent and he really has spilled his blood that you can have grace, full of grace and truth. Number five, Jesus, he's eternal, powerful, full of grace and truth. I love this one. Number five, he is full of life. The word is life. Verse four says, in him was life. This is so good. Um, following Jesus is not just rules. It's, it's not just do these things. It's not just like hard bummer rules. You guys, following Jesus and submitting to his word leads you to life. It leads you to life. If you want like significance, if you want relationships and purpose and destiny and all of those things we like long for, like submit to the word of God. Like there is life here. You want a good relation, dating relationship? Listen, there's life here and it tells you where to find life. There is life in God's ways. There's, listen, sexuality came from the Lord and there's life in it if you submit to how he made it. There is, God has given us all kinds of good substances and creation and food and drink, but there's life to enjoy those things the way he has said. Your relationships, there is life if you go the way he has said. And now listen, this is, we, we know this. There will be moments when everything else and everyone else is saying, hey, life is actually this way. And your own like soul will be like, oh my gosh, I want life. And they're saying it's this way. And they're like, I just, I long for life over here. There will be times when you need to say, Jesus has spoken, there's life actually this way and I have to trust him. I know everything in me is saying there's life this way. Don't miss out, there's life. You guys, there's only life in Jesus' ways. And we've probably all lived long enough to know that when we go this way, like it actually leads to death. We've probably all experienced that. Any relationship, any habit based on your own desires apart from God's word will lead to death. It's only a matter of time and it will. And this is crazy to think about, but in a moment of intense temptation, I have to say there is actually 
more joy and more life in saying, this almost doesn't make sense, but I'm going to go with Jesus. Like that extra drink, that extra step with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever, honestly, dating someone who isn't walking with Jesus, like it's, there's going to be a lot over here. Like, oh, this looks like life. Jesus is saying, trust me, there is life in my ways. There's life in my ways. And thank God for the grace when we choose death. But let's, let's not just choose death our whole life and lean on the grace of God. Like there's, there's like flourishing for you. There's flourishing in life when you choose him. And then the last point is this. The word is a person. This is like maybe the most important truth. The word, the powerful, true word of God is a person. It's not just a statement, not just a doctrine, not just truth, not just power, but an actual person. In the beginning in Genesis, God didn't just do amazing stuff and like speak and like let it go on. He like walked with Adam. He like wants to be with us. He didn't just say like, I'm gonna send my angels and talk to them. He's like, I want a relationship because I'm a person and I want to be with my people. They live in the middle of the desert and there's nothing good there and I wanna be with them. The word is a person and we see this most clearly in Jesus, right? We see that the word is a person. Look at verse 14. This is maybe the best verse in the Bible. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You guys, the way we come to know the truth and the power and the, the, the mercy and grace of God, we see it most clearly when he became a person. He draped himself with a human body and he died on a cross and he rose again that we could have a relationship with him. Now, this is so profound, you guys, because when we think about the Bible and we think about walking with Jesus, it can feel really impersonal sometimes. It can feel really impersonal. Like, I'm reading this book. Like, what is this? And then we can long to like try and figure it out on our own. Like, I just want to do it my way. But listen, to spend time in the word of God in some way, it's so linked with Jesus. To spend time in this book is to spend time with the person, Jesus. In some mysterious way, when you read this, you are with Jesus. He's a person, not just words on a page. He's a person. Jesus said later in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And then John 15, he says, abide in me. When you like read this book, you are spending time with the person, Jesus. And so it feels impersonal. Listen, it's not. In some mysterious way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can like know a person when you're in this book. You can like be with Jesus. And so, okay, hard questions because we're terrible at this. Like, what's your plan to be with Jesus? Like, what's your plan? Like, do you have, like, do you prepare for time with Jesus? Do you prioritize Jesus? Like, listen, this is almost a cheap shot, but we come in here and we're like, God, I wanna be with you. But like, we haven't been with him. Like, he's like, listen, be with me. And I just have to say like, when, it's so good to see a friend who you've spent so much time with and you're close. It's like kind of awkward to see a friend who you haven't seen in a while, right? Like, I listen, worship, Friday nights will be so much better if you have been spending time with Jesus. It just, it just will. There's grace of God for you. He loves you. He's bloods for you when you don't. But like, 
what's your plan to like be with him, to spend time with him? Like there's life and truth and grace and power. Like there's Jesus. When you spend time in the word of God, you are with Jesus. You are with him. That's how you abide. You sit at his feet. You're like, I'm with you, Jesus. I want to be with you because the word of God in some way is a person. And so um, we're going to have time. We're going to have a good amount of time to worship him right now, to sit with him, to like respond to his word. Uh, The Holy Spirit does this crazy thing where like, so hopefully someone's just faithful to explain what's there. And, but the Holy Spirit does this thing where like he convicts and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm shining light on like that area. And that's a gift because he's like, I want you to repent. I want you to bring that to me. And, and I want you to confess that. And there, there's going to be more life for you. Um, we're going to have these, we have these carpets here to just like lay down, to kneel. That's in the Bible. We're gonna have room for you guys to like dance. That's also in the Bible. Um, we're gonna have communion where you can remember that the word became flesh and was broken and bled for you. We're gonna have a prayer team, just men and women of God who aren't gonna be freaked out when you confess your sin at all. Like they're gonna say, hey, that's why Jesus came and God loves you and forgives you. Um, and listen, this is another thing. Like, we're old enough. Like, let's, let's pray for each other. Like, let's be real with each other. Like, your relationships with one another will deepen as you talk about Jesus and your issues and where you're lacking. And so um, we're gonna just spend time abiding, sitting at the feet of Jesus. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for your word. What a gift it is to hear truth about you. Lord, would you um, just come and meet with us now? God, would you, would you come, Holy Spirit, and, and may we respond back to this person that, that just spoke to us in and through the Bible. We, we want to experience your presence. We want to be real with you, Lord. Would we not just stand far off? Would we not feel like we need to hide ourselves, like we need to impress you? We, like, we, may we remember that you're, you're gracious to us. Like, I know what you've done, and I love you, and that's why I died. Would we be real with you right now, Jesus, if we're doubting, if we feel far, if we're struggling, would we be be honest with you, maybe with someone else? And Jesus, I just ask this time would be so sweet that we would just sit at your feet and love you and worship you and praise you. You made us to worship you, God. Right now, this time is is for you and and that you would be exalted in our midst, God. Ask again, there'd be freedom. If we like need to go home, would we feel free to do that? This isn't like the spiritual thing. We're not earning something right now. We're free to just be with our Father, to be with Jesus, to be with in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Would we just be free right now to engage you and worship God? Thank you for your blood, for your grace. We worship you now.